Welcome to the Let Them Fight Podcast. The Rose! Unbelievable! The Rose! Hosted by Justin Day. Who the fuck is that guy? And Travis Greither. He's a liar and he's a thief. Welcome into the inaugural episode of the Let Them Fight podcast. I am Justin Day, joined by my good friend Travis Greither. Travis, we are finally here. It's about time. We have talked about or mulled about this, maybe not this actual idea of a podcast, but the idea of talking about mixed martial arts together on a weekly basis, multiple times a week. We have talked about this for years, probably as long as I've known you, actually. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I mean, just kind of tossing tossing this idea back and forth. You know, I really don't have that many people I I get to talk to MMA about. Um, so yeah, just just getting to talk, you know, bullshit about MMA, you know, anytime we can. And yeah, like you said, finally we kind of got this set up. Hopefully, we think it's set up right. We anyway, think it's so going. We'll, we think it's we'll going. Have. We'll know when it's over. <laughs> Well, no, when it's over. No, I mean, I'm super excited. Like, I remember um, when I first met you, we almost immediately bonded just over sports in general. And then uh, we brought up the idea. I think it was like Anderson Silva. We, I was talking to, to a, a mutual friend of ours about how he was like the GOAT. And you were like, oh, I fucking love Anderson Silva. And I was like, wait a minute, Trav, no way. Like, Because MMA is still, I mean, it's on ESPN now, which is very exciting. But it's yeah. still kind of on the fringes. Yeah, and I guess I'd kind of be one of my first questions for you. What do you think about the whole, uh, I guess, with ESPN and the UFC? Are you a huge fan of it? Are you totally bought in? Or is that something uh, that you kind of have mixed feelings about? Because I'll, I'll go ahead and give you my take after I hear what you have to say. Absolutely. Well, first, I'm going to pop up my Coors Banquet uh, <laughs> beer. This is going to be a staple. What are you drinking tonight? Okay, so here's the deal. I, for whatever reason, this is a New Year's resolution or anything like that. I got a membership at the very beginning of December, mm-hmm. and I have not really drank at all. Okay, well, I drank for Cejudo and Dillashaw, but outside of that, I have not drank just a casual beer in the evening, anything like that. So I actually went with an ultra tonight. So I, no, I love this, coffee. though, because it's very similar to me. I'm, it's not like a New Year's resolution or anything like that. Like you said, it's just I need to lose some weight. I'm getting married in a year, and there you go. so I don't casual drink. So this is a this podcast is actually a reason for me to casually drink. <laughs> on top yeah, of talking about exactly. MMA, so no, the ESPN thing. That's a good question. You know, we don't just like MMA. Travis and I, we talk a multitude of sports. This podcast is just MMA, but being an uh, avid viewer of ESPN for years. And, you know, they've gone through their ups and downs. They're still the worldwide leader in sports for a reason. So I remember seeing the Dos Santos-Velasquez fight on Fox and thinking, this is as big as it's ever going to get. Because growing up watching it on Spike TV, The Ultimate Fighter, all those sort of things, it was always a fringe sport. And I thought it would always live on those fringes. So it was so surreal to be watching those prelims on ESPN, to see Donald Cowboy Cerrone on ESPN. It was so, it was so surreal. It was like... I know, you know I'm not really involved, but it was like I had been there through every step. So how this is going to play out, I don't know. But as a fan, I was super excited to see them take that next step. The next step for them is to get rid of pay-per-view. It's a dying model, and I don't know if that will ever happen. But this was yeah. the biggest step they could take currently to to strengthen their brand. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, and, and I do. I think it's a huge step for them, and it's cool to see it. Okay, so it's cool to see it go mainstream and to see it, the sport to keep growing. Um, where I kind of have mixed feelings on it is, I guess it's kind of selfish in a way. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a hardcore, even though I guess we are hardcore fans. Uh, but at the same time, I can't tell you exactly every transition that's going on when you know two two of them are on the ground, but. Right. I don't know. I, I just, I feel like I don't want it to be something that I'm casually, you know, me and you, we're going to have conversations about this and we're going to be on the same page, may not be on the same page, but we're going to understand uh, fully. We're fully invested in the sport. So we understand what's going on. Um, and I, and I want my other friends that aren't really MMA fans, or maybe they're very casual MMA fans to get more involved, but I don't want it to be something that, 
you know, you hear Stephen A or Max Kellerman. Oh, that grossed me out. I'm not going to lie. When I saw Stephen A, I was like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And I don't want it to be something that, you know, a casual fan's going to just, you know, in conversation, be repeating what they heard Stephen A or Max Kellerman here and there take. And then they kind of, you know, they based all their, all what they believe on what Max Kellerman and Stephen A say. No, exactly. And that's kind of what, and, and I know it'll get better. And actually, after I was listening to Rasillo's podcast uh, earlier, and after kind of listening to him about Stephen A, it kind of gave me a different perspective on it because I'm not a big Stephen A guy as is. But hearing that Stephen A wasn't really paid to be there, apparently, that like he was more, you know, just there as a there. fan, maybe just to take the event in. Yeah. Okay. To take the event in and, you know, just kind of given that presence again, going back kind of to the casual fans. So if somebody was just tuning in for the first time to watch UFC and they they were watching that first card on ESPN and then they were able to see Stephen A, I guess that kind of merged the two. So then they felt comfortable in it. Oh yeah, this is still ESPN. You know, even though this is something I haven't watched yet, uh, it kind of, I, I, do you kind of get what I'm saying? No, there for sure. That, I didn't, I didn't hear Rosillo's take on it. I believe I heard, um, I believe it might have been Brendan Schaub talking about it on on his podcast that Stephen A was almost like a bridge for the ESPN yeah, casual exactly. viewer. And I will say that when I first saw Stephen A, I was like, "What the fuck is he doing here?" But <laughs> I did like how he was talking about. I remember, I remember it because I remember thinking, "Like, what's he doing here?" So I really tuned into what he was saying. And basically, he was talking about Cejudo and Dillashaw and how you know Cejudo is a phenomenal uh, Olympic wrestler, but TJ is a great MMA wrestler. And so then he immediately transitioned and said, so I'm going to defer to my friend Daniel Cormier here because I am no expert in that field. And I thought, okay, that's something I can deal with as long as he's not trying to tell me. Because I think as MMA fans, we're almost like a close. I almost compare it to like Star Wars fan base in a way because mm-hmm. they're so tight-knit and we hate someone outside of our bubble telling us about the sport, telling us about what this fighter should be doing or what they could do differently when they really only cover like boxing and, and basketball. So, no. you know, so when, when he was able you're, to defer to Daniel Cormier, you know, yeah, for sure. So it depends on, I like, I like your take. It depends on how they take it. I don't want him there every time. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I might've got my Stephen no, A. MMA fix in that one night. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, I couldn't agree with you more on that. That's exactly my stance. Uh, I think just put a little more eloquently, but I guess staying on that same note, uh, since we agreed on that, I think this is something we may disagree on. What was your overall takeaway from uh, Dillashaw and Tejudo um, stoppage and, I guess, the 30 or so second fight? I will say the card. I went in a little skeptical of the card as a whole, and I thought it was a really decent night of fights. I thought thought Ostevich and Van Zandt, pardon me, which was a, a fight that I was not necessarily looking forward to. I thought they were only there for their looks. They actually kind of delivered. I was into that fight. I thought it was a good fight. The prelims did their job. There were some finishes on there. Cowboy did the damn thing. But when you got to the Dillashaw Sahudo fight, I disagree with the stoppage. I thought it was I thought it was early, but I could see where there was, you know, some if ands or buts. But when it's a, a champ champ fight, when it's a title fight, I just think he got, he has the benefit of the doubt. He should be given, you know, let him lose, essentially was my thought. It reminded me very much of that first Fox card with JDS and Kane where the better fighter, in my opinion, didn't win, but the better fighter got clipped behind the ear and the fight got stopped a little early. So I'd like to see him run it back. I, I, I'm i a big – you guys will probably learn throughout the course of this show. We all have fighters that we love, and TJ Dillashaw is one for me. He's probably my favorite fighter on the roster uh, because you know he's a little more active than Connor. But <laughs> either way that they run it back, they need to run it back. But I'm happy for Henry. He's a really good dude by all accounts, and it's hard to root against that guy. And I thought he showed that he could switch the game plan up. Usually, you know, lately he's had that karate Machida type stance where he is you know, the counter puncher. He used it very, very well against DJ. Counter punched very well, was able to use his wrestling off the counter punching. And he came 100 miles an hour across that case to TJ Dillashaw and caught him off guard. So, you know, hats off to Cejudo. Was it a, an early stoppage? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he won the fight. And he has the right to be happy. I think if he did save the flyweight division, kudos to him. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I will say, as you mentioned, you know, you being a Dillashaw fan, I watched this more, and not saying that you had a complete bias to it, but just because, simply because you were rooting for Dillashaw, I watched this more from an unbiased standpoint because I don't necessarily care for Dillashaw, and Cejudo's the guy when he fought Demetrius Johnson, I, re- I was rooting for Demetrius when he fought Joseph Benavidez, uh, I was rooting for Benavidez. So I kind of watched this, you know, not necessarily rooting for either guy. And uh, while I agree with you, I do think the stoppage was early. I don't think it was the worst stoppage I've ever seen in the world. I think it more attention was drawn to that than I think maybe should have been. But at the same time, I do agree with your standpoint. You know, with this, with the magnitude that this fight had, you know, being on the first ESPN plus card being, uh, you know, the stakes of this fight with the, you know, 125 pound belt on the line, TJ possibly could have became the double champ. Uh, yeah, I, I think you should have probably let him fight. Now, how do you, how do you, um, what do you think about TJ's reaction after the fight? I thought first off, when he lost to John Dotson, he had a similar reaction if you remember, yeah. um, and I'm a sore loser, right? I hate losing at Monopoly <laughs> to my fiance. You know what I mean? Like, so sure. I'm a competitive guy and I think he is way more competitive than me. I mean, he's a professional athlete. He just trained 12 weeks and only got to fight for 30 seconds. Um, so I could see where people would be turned off, um, by the way he reacted. But I'll, if you, you show me a good loser and I'll just show you a loser essentially is my thoughts on it. I, I want someone, especially in that instance, when you train your ass off for 12 weeks, you make, a, you know, a massive drop in weight and you're only allowed to fight for 30 seconds in a fight that to me, if he would have continued to grapple with the ref, you see that a lot when someone gets clipped and they're in a wrestling exchange and then the referee steps in, the fighter almost continues to try to take the referee down or tries to uh, continue to fight thinking that the referee's the fighter. That was not the case with TJ. He shot immediately up and was like, what are we doing? You know, I think he might have exaggerated. I don't think he actually sure. talked to the ref and told him I'm okay. I don't think he had the time to do that. But the fact that he shot up immediately and was in his face, I thought, okay, um, that makes a lot of sense in terms of why he was upset. So I think his reaction Monday on Ariel's show was a lot better. But he also sure. said, you, yeah. know, I, you know, I didn't think I lost that fight necessarily. But – you know, it the the emotion wasn't so raw. Like the fight wasn't over like forty five minutes before. So, you know, I, I think if you you know, like I said, you, you show me a good loser, and I'll just show you a loser. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I can understand too with having that raw emotion right after the fight. You know, of course, you know, with the with the work the dude put in, cutting, making that cut, the way they made it, you know. It was well calculated out, and yeah, to have it in, you know, in that fashion, I get it. It sucks. Uh, initially, I thought he acted like a fucking baby, and you know, I'm not the biggest TJ guy in the world, so. What do you got against my man Killershaw? What do you got against my man Killershaw? Huh? Uh, I, I think, from the beginning when I was first getting into MMA, one of the first guys I liked was Uriah. I and love I Uriah Faber. I do. I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that still loves Uriah and loves TJ, but I understand yeah, the way that thing ended there. Yeah. And so, you know, Cody, TJ, I was, I was rooting for Cody and, and those fights. Uh, I, I, I don't, you know, TJ's great. I, I still think he, I still think pound for pound TJ could be the guy, you know, he, I mean, outside I think he's of, definitely in the conversation. If you take out John, considering true. that he's not been as active. Yeah, no, I think so too. So, what do you think? What do you think is next for both of those guys? What would you like to see happen if you could play a matchmaker? Well, before I do that, I will say I know you're a big Cody guy, Team Alpha yeah. guy. I think he's handled this phenomenally. You see a lot of guys when they're bitter, bitter rivals with a guy, and they've maybe lost to him once or twice. Immediately, when that guy's knocked off a pedestal, similar to like when Connor lost to Nate the first time, Jose was one of the first guys to be like. You know, talking shit, and it's like, dude, he knocked you out. Like, he starched you, you know? Yeah. And so Cody's handled this perfectly. So for TJ, I think you probably have to run it at 35. And the reason why I say that is because Cejudo kind of fucked up. I mean, he's talking about he wants to save the light, the, the flyweight division, but then he immediately calls TJ out at Bantamweight after the fight. 
that's not how you save the flyweight division. That's how you get the flyweight division ended because they're looking for it. And, you know, I, I thought they played up a little bit too much like the guys are going to be out of a job. Like Benavidez can go fight at 35. Cejudo can go fight at 35. There's certain guys who can go fight at 35 that'll be fine. Um, I don't think they should get rid of the division. I think they should add more divisions. The more champions, the better in the UFC. So I think you run that back at 35. If not, there's just not much for TJ to do at 35 besides Cejudo. Because the Cody fights long and gone. The only time you'll see them fight again is probably in like five years if Cody goes on a run. Like those fights aren't going to happen for a while. If TJ somehow loses the belt, maybe you know Garbrandt can win a couple and then fight the guy whoever unseated Dillashaw. A Sun Sal, maybe he's avenged that loss. Really, every loss he's had, he's avenged besides Dotson. So unless Dotson wants to go up to 35 and fight him, I just don't see a lot for him to do up there. So it would make sense to run Cejudo Dillashaw there at 35. I'd like to get your thoughts on, do you want to see that? Is that the fight to make? Do you think it's the right one? What are, what are your thoughts on the – because I think it went differently than a lot of us thought, and we're all kind of spinning our wheels. Sure. Uh, I definitely want to see it. I think it is the fight to make. I don't think it's the fight to make right now. Um, I think you have some heat behind Benavidez and Cejudo right now. Uh, especially with them being on the same card. I think that kind of makes sense, uh, especially drawing in the new crowd to ESPN. You know that people are going to be familiar with both of those guys. I think that fight makes sense. I think it, the timeline makes sense too, because you're having, you know, you just had TJ fought here. I don't think obviously he didn't sustain any long-term type of injuries through this fight. And then you have a Sao and Marais, you know, fighting what next week, next yeah. weekend. Yeah. I think they're next weekend. And, and so that kind of puts them on the same timeline to where, okay, barring no crazy injuries to the winner of that fight, you know, that sets up him to fight TJ, you know, a little bit later in the year. Uh, I think Cejudo and uh, Benavidez, you know, they, they can fight here in the next couple of months. And then, you know, I know you're taking a little bit of a gamble there banking on, both Cejudo and TJ winning. I think those are both. Yes, I was to say, do you want to take those gambles? Because Benavidez, Benavidez beat Cejudo. Granted, he barely beat him. It was a split decision. And I believe Cejudo got deducted a point in that fight for low blows. He did. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And it is a gamble, but I think, I mean, with both those guys winning that fight, no matter what that TJ Cejudo fight's going to be there. Um, so I, I would kind of like to see the divisions not be held up. I'd like I, I don't want to see an, an interim champ come in. I'm I'm tired of that I'm shit. So over interim champions, they're useless. They're absolutely useless. And the way that they utilize them are useless. Look at Colby Covington. Yeah, my God, that guy got screwed out of so many opportunities. I mean, I do think Usman deserves the fight, but if if there's a reason to get rid of interim interim champions, Colby Covington is Exhibit A. <laughs> yeah, not a fan of that guy. <clears throat> you don't like him. Colby? Yeah. I want to see him get dusted. I don't agree with him a lot of the times with his personal takes, but I never let that you know negate the hey. fact that he's selling a fight. Like I, I love the way he sells fights. Uh, I didn't like how he kind of ruined uh, Star Wars for a lot of people. Once again, <laughs> bringing Star Wars into it. But, I mean, it, it, it kept his name um, in the news. I, I really like your idea um, for the winner of the Marais fight and then for Dillashaw and then Cejudo fighting Benavidez because there is some heat there with Benavidez. You know, we, t- we touched on their last fight and that was controversial for a couple reasons. And Benavidez can beat anyone on, on, on any given night. So I just don't know if the UFC is willing to take that gamble. Um, what do you think about that belt? It's growing on me. Me too. I hated it at first, but it's growing on me a little bit. Did you see Rockhold's comment? I think he had the best comment on it. No, I mean, first off, um, another guy that I absolutely love is Luke Rockhold, so get used to me uh, blowing him on this show. Um, no, I didn't see his – I actually did not see his comment on the belt. He asked if Reebok made that too. Oh, I did see that. <laughs> I remember that now. I didn't really yeah, said yeah. that. And that was like in the first like 24 hours when everyone was heating that belt. Oh, my God. I didn't see anything positive about it except like Connor was like, okay, I'm back now. Which yeah. Th- that was just kind of like a canned response. I think he was going to say it no matter what that belt looked like. Yeah, no, I, I did not expect that from Connor, but I guess since we brought his name I'm up. I'm going to say I also didn't expect Cowboy Cerrone to call that man out either. 
and, and then immediately tech, you know, prompted a text from you. Um, I don't have the exact exchange up, but it was something along the lines of, do you love that fight? And I said, fuck no. And I don't, you know, not because I don't want to see that fight, but I don't know exactly what it does for Conor McGregor. Okay, I agree. I agree, because initially, what was it? Uh, several months ago, when it first started? There were rumors swirling like heavy about a Cowboy Conor fight. And I was like, okay, Cerrone has the most wins, right? And... I understand that a title fight really does nothing for Connor. Connor's bigger than any title that the UFC could put on him, unless he made they made a McGregor division where he just bounced classes and he just fought the champions. That's he's bigger than any belt the UFC can offer him. So, but what does I mean? Just because Cowboy has the most wins, that's a dangerous fight because if Cowboy decides to take this thing to the ground, as a Connor Dick Rider, that scares the shit out of me. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, I I had the same initial reaction as you. Uh, I was, you know, I especially before. Now, you know, it's making a little sense. But before, I'm like, what does that fight do for Connor? You know, if if Connor loses that fight, he's coming off, you know, his loss to, well, let's just say with his loss to Mayweather. You know, even though that has nothing to do with MMA, it has nothing to do with UFC, but it's still. A loss that weighs over him. That you and know, more people, people saw that fight than any Connor fight has ever done before. Exactly. So you have that loss. You have the loss to Khabib, which I, I mean, for the I most part, Connor I did well in that Connor, fight. I did. I do too. I rewatched the fight the other night, and I think Connor did a lot better than I initially thought when I was watching that. That may have been due to uh, the proper twelve that I consumed during that fight. Shouts but out proper twelve. I almost I will some say, of that during this show actually. Instead of the Toys <laughs> Banquet I almost made some uh, a proper twelve concoction. I thought the first round of that fight, Connor, um, did very well defending the takedowns, which is why I think if he fought Khabib a second time, he might not win that fight, but he's the kind of guy who gets better. The when he lost to, to Nick uh, or to yeah. Nick Diaz, he took he downloaded that data, okay, I can't overextend. I'm gonna gas too early. My power might carry a weight class, but this guy takes punches like, you know, he eats cereal in the morning. So it's, you know, I'm not going to knock this guy starch out. So he made those changes, and I don't think that fight was controversial. I thought Connor clearly won that second fight. And that's the kind of fighter that he is. He's a cerebral. Yeah. There's a reason why, you know, uh, John Cavanaugh says win or learn. That's what they do there. So they didn't win, so they learned. And so I thought Khabib's next, and then. Yeah, like you're saying, it sounds like Cowboys next. Yeah, and just real quick to touch on Khabib and Connor again, you know, I think Kavanaugh even came out after the fight, and after he said that, it made a lot of sense. But you know, people were were expecting Connor to come out with you know that left, but he seemed really guarded, and Kavanaugh kind of even explained that game plan was to maybe try to wear Khabib out a little bit, and kind of after that, kind of pick your shot. So I think Connor the next time around, because best believe he's gonna fight Khabib again. Oh, next undoubtedly, time around, I, undoubtedly I that think, fight's happening. I think he's gonna come out a lot stronger. I, I think you're not gonna see you're gonna see you know probably a patient Connor, but at the same time you're not gonna see a defensive minded Connor if that makes sense. Well, no, Connor, that's a good point because Connor actually alluded on his on his Instagram he did that post where he basically broke down the entirety of that fight round for round and he said you know I didn't I didn't come out and trust my wrestling offense in terms of maybe doing you know maybe challenging Habib I was very guarded very defensive minded to me he just looked slow and I've never seen Connor look slow he looked I mean because the last time we had seen Connor fighting in an MMA ring right we saw he focused on boxing and held his own against Floyd Mayweather I don't care what any boxing head tries to tell you he landed more punches against Mayweather than anybody and in, 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 in the early rounds because he wasn't used to the distance right so then Connor comes back to MMA you know you have to take your your mind back like two years ago the last time we had seen Connor fight in the UFC that Connor beats anyone in my mind that Connor that stepped in the cage with Eddie Alvarez beats anybody. He was on point. Every punch landed. He was when 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 Eddie attacked Connor was far enough out to where Eddie could not connect, but he was close enough to where when Eddie missed, Connor was connecting. I've never seen it was 
you know, we talk about Anderson Silva's striking ability, all those things. Just strictly with the hands in MMA, I had never seen a fighter be so accurate in a fight. And so that's what scared me about the Mayweather thing, is he immediately left the sport of MMA right after his very, very best performance against Eddie Alvarez. And then he comes back against Khabib and just looks so off. He looked, he was in very hittable range. He got hit by a wrestler's overhand right that he would never have got hit by, you know, two years prior. So I think it was a lot of rust. I don't know if you feel that same way, but that was not the Conor McGregor that fought Eddie Alvarez. 100%. When I remember when I was watching the Eddie fight, you know, thinking the same thing. Oh, my God. Like, I doubted this. I, I, I doubted Conor against Aldo. Once he got in there against... You know, Eddie, I'm like, okay, man, I don't I don't know about this. Yeah, I'm like, just, I mean, all, I mean, just as easily, Eddie could have taken his ass down and grounded and pounded him the same way Khabib did. But Connor managed the distance so well that it wasn't there for Eddie. It wasn't that Eddie didn't want to. It just wasn't there. He stuffed several takedowns in the first round. Dude, he could not do anything. I, I literally watched that, I think, with my mouth open the entire fucking fight. Just like, are you kidding me? I will never. And that, that you know, I would I will never against Connor in a fight again even no, when he fought even he fights Khabib yeah, I mean, again yeah oh my god dude and so yeah I do think a ton of that I mean he was out of the octagon for how long basically two years I, mean, I believe I mean it's almost a two year you know break. coming off his best performance ever the cleanest we've ever seen Connor he's out two years and he he comes back against this unstoppable force like what, what did you expect to happen yeah. Connor Connor a wrestler as is I mean Nate Diaz with took him down. I mean, let's see it again. Yeah, I think a Connor that's 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 dedicated to the sport of MMA, right? Who's who's back doing what he did with I mean, you could talk about his movement coach or whatever. That shit worked. Whatever he was doing before, that shit worked. And if he could get back to that and maintain that distance more, and I think I think Connor could beat anyone. I still stand by the fact that whoever whoever that was that fought Eddie Alvarez that night beats anybody. So, a goddamn wizard. Yeah, I mean, that was the best wrecking performance I've ever seen. So, with that being said, are you now sold on the Connor Cowboy fight? Because, you know, a week later-ish, you know, maybe like six days later, I am sold on Connor Cowboy. At first, I was not for it. Now, I cannot wait to see it. I don't know what it was that changed my mind. But something clicked over the last six days to where I cannot wait to see Connor fight Cowboy. Yeah, dude, that's hilarious you said that because I can't remember if I sent you a text. I th- I did. I think Wednesday so you morning. You definitely I- sent me a text like two days later, and you were like, "I, <laughs> I want to see that fight now." And I was like, "I'm almost there." <laughs> I th- I sent you a text. I said Connor versus Cowboy might be growing on me, and I think from. I mean, a business standpoint, I think it's starting to make sense. With with the ESPN being involved and Connor act, you know, being the guy that everybody knows, even if you're not, you know, in tune with the sport, Cowboy's also a guy that carries a lot of weight. And him for him to debut on the ESPN card and for him to mention Connor's name, yeah, it wasn't that the strongest call out ever. I don't think Cowboy well, needed Cowboy's not really known for that. All Cowboy has to do, like you said, he kind of carries a big stick too. So all he has to say is just drop the name. You know, he's exactly. like, hey, Connor, I'm ready for that fight. And a lot of things fighters say about Connor prompts no response. I immediately sent you a picture and was like, what the fuck? He it's responded coming, simultaneously. It was almost like Cowboy was like, hey, when I beat this kid, I'm calling you out. Be ready to tweet it, motherfucker. You know why too, don't you? I, th- I think, I think. From again, from a business standpoint, I think it, UFC realizes that Connor needs a win. He needs a win, and I and think if someone's going to go in and brawl with him, you're you're on yeah. your point, man. If someone's going to go in there and let you know, let's throw hands, but he might find himself in a DS situation too. <sighs> man, I hope not. I know Cowboys' jujitsu game, his ground game is it's scary. Especially it's better than Diaz. People talk about Diaz scary. being great. Cowboy, when he wants to, especially off his fucking back, which plays into Connor's hands because he's not going to try to sit in Cowboy's guard. You know, if if, if Connor's in any ground exchange, his back's going to be to the mat. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, obviously Connor still superior striker, but dude, how sharp did Cowboy look against Hernandez? I don't My, know, man. Uh, when he's mixing his hands and his feet together, you talk about the Hernandez fight. 
I remember the knockout he had against uh, Rick. Was it Rick Story? The the combo he put yeah. together. That <sighs> combo was something out of Dragon Ball Z. Like <laughs> that was some Tekken shit. Like that was like incredible. I was like, oh my god, that is, that knocks out. You know, I, I the last time I had a response to like any sort of punch or kick like that was when Vitor kicked Rockhold. I was like, oh, that would have knocked out a mule. Like whatever <laughs> Cowboy did would have knocked out a horse. Like that was the the most precise, you know, set of mixing your hands and your feet together. So I think you're onto something in terms of if Connor wants a guy that's going to stand up and bang with him, uh, Cowboy Cerrone might be your Huckleberry. Yeah, what do you think? UFC 236 in April? Too I, soon? Perfect timing? Uh, it depends on how long Connor wants to train for this, yeah? Like, Man, you're not going to wait until International in. Fight Week. Obviously, that's too long. But maybe like... Maybe like around the time he fought um, uh, Floyd a couple years, just like in like middle of July, maybe. Maybe give it some time. Maybe don't announce. Maybe like let these guys know, hey, you, you're fight, you're fighting them at some point. We just don't have a date for you. That way, they can start game planning. They won't be in camp, but they can be thinking about each other, and then maybe announce the fight, say, in early April. You know, in in July sometime, mid July, and then let those guys bang it out. Then I think a summer card is perfect for them. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, I mean, obviously, because I guarantee you, they're already thinking about each other. They're already game planning. They know, um, they know, they know that that's the next fight, and everyone's sold on I mean, it. It just took a few days, and everyone's ready for it. Yeah, and I've I've been following Connor closely on social media, and he's been posting quite a bit of him in the gym. And if if, if you follow that, you know that kind of. Uh, if you followed Connor, you kind of see ramping up to a fight. That's when he starts to put out more of that material. So I think something's going to be coming up. Something will be announced, I'd say, in the next couple months. I think you're going to see a fight announcement. When's the first ESPN uh, card? That's in February, yeah? Like the first big, like it's the first, first fight on ESPN. It'll be like February yeah, second and, week or something like that. Yeah, and I second week is first week in February – uh, is going to be this Brazil card. Second week is the card in Australia with Whitaker and Gaslam. And the third week is the first ESPN, big ESPN card with uh, Velasquez and Nganu. Which is a God. fucking fight. Which is, I'm so excited for that fight. Um, and we'll break that down in, in episodes to come. But that wouldn't be a bad time to announce that fight. The Cowboy Connor fight. Yeah, no, I, I think you're on the money there. I think that would make perfect sense. You just drop a promo right after that co-main ends, and just it's like the king is like surprise, surprise, the king is back, and you know some shit that Cowboys probably said in the past that's probably badass that I can't think of right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready for that. Fight I hate when, when they drop promos on pay-per-views. It makes no fucking sense. I was waiting for some big news to come on that first ESPN card. Well, well, with it being on the prelims, only on ESPN, I think they're right. saving their big. I mean, I think you're going to see a couple bullets, a couple fires of ammunition come out in that first ESPN card. You're going to see probably um, the, the 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 Cerrone one because that's probably going to happen in Ireland. So whatever dates they have oh lined God. up now is not what they're going to put that Cowboy Connor fight on, which is why I said later in the year because Dana has hinted about wanting to go to Ireland this year again and what a fight to put on an Ireland Cowboy Connor. So you're gonna see some some main events being announced. That's my prediction for the ESPN card is one, someone's getting knocked out in the main event, and then two, you're gonna see a bunch of fights be announced, but most importantly, Cowboy Connor in Ireland. In Ireland. Can you imagine? No, I can't imagine. <laughs> I literally it would, it would I mean you saw Darren Till fight in Liverpool. Um, that was incredible. That was one of those things where it's like, this this kid's a star where he's from, you know. And Connor is on a whole nother fucking universe in terms of stardom uh, everywhere, but especially in Ireland. If that fight's in Dublin, and he wins that fight, I I can't wait to see the scenes the scenes over there. I got an idea. The one fight to make in Ireland. With Connor, that would be bigger than Cerrone. You're not going to do Khabib in Ireland. Artem Brent- Lobov versus. 
<laughs> no, no, no. We're we're still we're still including Connor. God, fuck Artem Lobov. I fucking it's love cool. the goat Artem Lobov. He oh. is he is uh, a gym. He is why a gym. not? Why not do Connor, Nate, three in Ireland? But the co-main's got to be Artem. Versus- <laughs> <laughs> the co-main's got to be Artem Lobov versus Zabit. Oh my God! Does he want to die? It's got to be. I, it may, I think he was called out as a beat. Yeah, am I crazy? I think. I think. I think that was like a rumored fight. I, I think what's gonna happen? A death sentence. No, I don't think it was someone that's. It wasn't Zabit. It's someone who's friends with with um with Habib. So if you're gonna do Habib Connor again, the co-main has to be Artem, and then I can't remember who the fighter was, and we might get made fun of for not knowing this. But Artem's got to be on the card, and I'm a little upset that you don't love. Artem Lobov. The Russian hammer. The Russian hammer who is has a half Irish accent. <laughs> that guy's a fucking idiot. We're going to disagree. I'll tell you who is a fucking idiot, and that's Greg Hardy. Yeah. So, Greg Hardy, um, the second biggest, uh, say, shit show the UFC's done in the last two years. Is Behind it worse than Phil CM Punk? Brooks? Is it worse than Phil, CM Punk? Phil is my Brooks? question. That's his name, right? Phil Brooks. I'm not from the WWE world. Yeah, but... Phil Brooks is his name. Yeah, I'd still, I'd still uh, put him as my number one worst signing. Um, but yeah, fuck Greg Hardy. He's just a bad dude, right? I mean, you don't, you don't even need to know the rules really to know that that's illegal because you don't train that (laughs) you don't train to knee someone while they're on their knees you know what i'm saying it was just a way out i think it was his first fight they didn't knock someone out in the first minute and he was looking for a way out and it really pissed me off when dana white said well i learned that greg hardy can fight tonight no you learn the exact opposite you learn that he can't fight and the moment that he's being you know bullied around like when when alan crowder was like yelling at him like come at me motherfucker and he found a way out he found a way out, and he needs to he needs to be cut immediately. Maybe maybe it was a way out. I'm not fully sold on that. It wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him that that's what exactly what he's trying to do. I think it was more. I don't think it was that he didn't know the rule. I think maybe, and I and I'd have to go back and watch it again. But I think maybe he was trying to time it just right, and he's not. You know, I think he, you're giving a. I think you're giving a really bad guy the benefit of the doubt that he has yeah. yet to ever ever garner um, being given. I think I think he's just not that good yet. I think that was something he was trying to time and maybe pull off, and he's just not good enough to do that yet. I wish I wish that I had the optimist view that you have. <laughs> I really do. I envy the person who can give Greg Hardy the benefit of the doubt because I am all for second chances, um, even if it's a picogram. But I just, you know, that's just a guy that I don't know that ever deserved a second chance. And even when he was signed to the UFC and they were doing the Dana White Contender Series, I believe was the second season of that. And the promo ended with Greg Hardy. It's like you couldn't have picked a worse person to sell a program unless you ended it with a Greg Hardy Ray Rice tag team match. I mean, it just wasn't it just wasn't a good look. And and. It looked, I mean, that fight, that fight was awful. Like, it just was two guys. Crowder is sort of kind of maybe UFC level. Greg Hardy is definitely not. I will say that Crowder has a fan for life in me, though. I will I will say that because I was dying to see someone punch Greg Hardy in the face, and I got to see it. I do hate it for Hardy that it ended that way because I think Crowder was getting ready to kick his ass. I really do. Oh, no. Crowder was taking over. He was taking over that fight. And there was an exchange. They got together. Greg was kind of on the the better end of it. He got Crowder to the ground. And that's why I think he looked for a way out. I think the moment that he had an advantage in that that round, he looked for a way out because he knew there was no way he was going to win the remainder of that fight. Yeah. It's a real shame we didn't get to see that happen, too. I just, I don't even know if it was a shame. I was happy when that thing was over. I was just like shaking my head the whole time. I was like, "What are we doing? Like, did we not learn from CM Punk? Like, did we not learn?" Yeah, I mean, I don't know what what's the next signing gonna be. 
I mean, what could possibly be the next signing they do that ends up doing something like this? Uh, Kareem Hunt might be looking for a job. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just the UFC. Uh, they they've done a great job in cornering the the MMA market. There's a lot of people, believe it or not, who still think that the name of the sport is UFC. They don't realize that it's MMA, right? I can't remember what what um, NFL player it was, but he went to a Bellator event and he put like UFC Fight Night on Snapchat, and everyone was like, "Dude, that's that's Bellator, bro." <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that. But you don't. It just you don't. You know, we are we are, we're balls deep in the sport, right? We watch every card. We do this. We do that. The casual though doesn't know that, you know. So imagine, just imagine, right? You're like, you know what? I'm an I'm an avid sports guy. I haven't really given this MMA thing a shot. You know, I got ESPN Plus. I watch the boxing stuff, or maybe you just subscribed to ESPN Plus, and the first thing you saw was Greg Hardy, Alan Crowder. You'd be like, I'm out. This is amateur shit. This is amateur hour at the Apollo. Like I'm out. So I just at some point. I don't know how much pull Dana White has anymore, you know, not being, you know, really the majority guy. He's the face of the company, but not really the money behind it anymore. I don't know how much pull he has, but if it was really his idea to bring in CM Punk and Greg Hardy, at some point it would just be better to build your stars than to bring in stars from other sports who have no business being in mixed martial arts to begin with. I agree. Yeah. Invest your time there and guys that truly will develop. I mean, I don't want to see it again. I don't want to see Hardy again, but we're going to, I mean, regardless. I mean, Dana Dana says he's going to give him another fight. So, but I I brought up Bellator. They have an awesome card this weekend. Yeah. It's finally the culmination of the heavyweight Grand Prix, which is straight out of the pride playbook that Scott Coker likes to play out of. You get to see the debut of an of an actual professional wrestler who has a reason to be there. Uh, the artist formerly known as Jack Swagger, uh, Jake Hager, is going to be fighting. And Aaron Picogram is back. So let's, uh, let's break this bad boy down. Travis, what are some fights you're looking forward to and why and the winners? Give it to me. Yeah, I'd say to start off, I mean, just starting from the top with Fedor and Bader, um... I think it's interesting. Uh, my initial pick is Bader, just because uh, I've I've seen more of Bader. I haven't I haven't been able to see a whole lot of Fedor, just because you know once he crossed over to Bellator, I've seen those fights. But other than that, it's been highlights. I've seen more on Bader. Bader obviously being the younger guy. He's going uh, for champ champ. He's going for champ champ status. He's going for champ champ. I think he's looked really good throughout this tournament. I think and. All in all, I think this tournament's been a huge success. I, Bellator's doing it right uh, with the tournament platform. They're taking their uh, time with it. They didn't immediately get it done in like four months. We've waited a year. Like, it was crazy. I was like, wait, this is the culmination. And I remember when it was announced, I was like, damn, we got to wait a year? It didn't yeah. feel like a year. Because like those, they were perfectly like stretched out in terms of where those fights were on certain cards throughout the year to where it almost felt like I was like, oh, we should have one of those coming up. And then like a week or two later, that fight would come up. And it's like, oh, this is incredibly spaced out. And it kept you intrigued that it's certain guys, you know, Chelsea Sonnen being in it and all those things. And I thought it was well done. I think that's a really good point there, Trev. I think I think the one thing I would like to see them, you know, I don't, I mean, they've already, they're already getting into the welterweight tournament, so we're not going to see it there. But I think I would like to see maybe do quarterfinal matches on the same night, maybe do semifinal ma- matches on the same night. Uh, it's neat that it's spaced out and it keeps you engaged, looking forward to that next matchup. But I think it would create maybe more of a buzz if some of those matchups were on the same night. Uh, all in all, though, I still think it's been a huge success. I am taking Bader. Um, okay, you got Bader in that first one? I'm taking Bader. I think the fight I'm most looking forward to just because I'm a giant fan. I know you weren't... I, th- I think I remember talking to you. I know you weren't 100%. You're on board, but I don't think you were... Didn't think his last fight was flawless, but dude, I am sold on Aaron Pico. I'm sold on Aaron Pico. Um, I just I did steal the Pico Graham joke from Brian Kelleher, um, but I think everyone was making that joke, so I don't know if I really stole it from him. But I think it's a good idea that he should na- he should change his name uh, to Aaron Pico Graham. I think that would be hilarious. He would be like the first person to ever have his nickname set after his actual name. 
Um, I'm sold on Aaron Pico. Uh, I think that first loss did a lot for him, actually. He yeah. trains with Dillashaw, so I'm sold on him. Uh, I, when, when someone like that sings your praises, I got to kind of believe that you're the real deal. I don't know that they're actually giving him super good competition after that first fight, but nonetheless, I'm excited to see it. So I think you're more than likely taking Pico, yeah? Yeah, I'm taking Pico, and I don't, and I don't think I meant that to be that you weren't sold on him. I think from what I remember, and not quoting you, but I think you didn't like the how how much how much he got hit in that last fight. I think no, he's yeah, no, yeah. I think they were like, oh, oh my god, his boxing that. was so incredible. But half of boxing is in MMA or any boxing is not getting hit, and I thought he was right. there to get hit a lot. So. But he's so young. He's like the almost in terms of you know the LeBron James of the sport because oh, yeah. this sport's still so young that for him to be so hyped so early is very uncharted territory. The power that that dude generates at that size, oh my god, he's knocking so, dudes out. So I'll kind of touch on so the heavyweight Grand Prix. You took Bader. I will also take Bader only because. Talk about being chinny. I mean, uh, Fedor has become pretty chinny over the years, and I thought I thought Mitrione was going to get the better of him. So that is something that I'm taking into account because Mitrione is a very, 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 very talented heavyweight and a guy that I picked to win the tournament. Um, so I'm going to take Bader because I'm of the belief that a lot of light heavyweights, if they wanted to, could go up and beat the shit out of a lot of heavyweights. Because they're just faster, they're more athletic, they're they have better technique than a lot of heavyweights. Heavyweights mostly rely on their power. Ryan Bader does not solely rely on his power. He's a great wrestler. Um, he can knock you out. And Fedor, to me, is looking for the one punch knockout or some ground and pound. And Bader's going to stuff those takedown attempts. And I think it might be more one sided than the casual viewer who just knows who the last emperor is might be surprised. I do take Pico to win, probably in a starching. But to me, and this is gonna probably make me sound ridiculous, the most, the fo- the fight that I'm most looking forward to, pardon me, is the Jake Hager fight. Yeah. Because I don't know what I'm gonna see, because I know he's a professional wrestler, and I but I do hate the CM Punk pe- comparisons. If you're gonna compare Jake Hager to anyone, you should compare him to maybe not Brock Lesnar, because Brock Lesnar was. I think so. I think go ahead and compare him to Brock Lesnar if you're going to make that comparison. Don't I mean, you? He, he did wrestle at Oklahoma, and he was very good there, Jake Hager I'm talking about. He, he was he wrestled at Oklahoma, was very good there. But I'm not going to compare him to Brock Lesnar yet, who I will compare him to, a former Bellator fighter, a, a, for, a, a WWE superstar, Bobby Lashley. If he can do what Bobby Lashley did, who was an amateur wrestler who went to the WWE, who then went to Bellator, he never won the heavyweight championship, but he was never an easy out. He was never an easy out. So if he can do for Bellator what Bobby Lashley did for Bellator, then Bellator will come out on the winning end of this signing. No, I agree with that. And do you remember off the top of your head, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but do you remember when he was actually signed? It seems like... It was, it was over like a year ago. It they, seems like they've taken their time. They've given him time to prepare, and I like that. Well, I liked what Jake Hager said. He had like an ESPN, I think it was ESPN interview. It might have been ESPN MMA. They had an interview uh, maybe early this week, I believe, and, and he spoke on the fact that when he was signed, he had taught – him and his wife had thought about MMA for a while because he's had some buddies that he wrestled with who went and did it and wrestled with at Oklahoma, not in the WWE. And he he thought always, you know, this is something that I might want to pursue. And so when he signed, he basically signed like six months after he left the WWE or maybe like a year because they have like those no-compete clauses. Mm-hmm. And he had signed some independent wrestling dates and things of that nature. And so instead of immediately fighting, he basically told his trainer, Hey, I'm not in competition shape. I'm in entertainment shape. I'm really big. I have a lot of muscle mass, but it's not conducive to an MMA bout. So he took a year, and he looks completely different in terms of his body type. And I think that's that shows the level of dedication he has to the sport and the amount of preparation he's willing to put in, which might lead him to a fruitful career because he is starting it pretty late. He's already in his 30s. Yeah, uh, and and I do, I think maybe had a guy like that signed with the UFC, maybe he would have been rushed. But I think Scott Coker's a smart dude, and 
going back to Pico, they did a similar similar thing with Aaron Pico. They signed him very early, and he may have had closer. Man, it was I don't like know. Two years before it was Pico. Like two years. Yeah. That he had to prepare, and I mean, obviously that first fight didn't work out for him. They kind of. They also didn't give him a cakewalk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it seems like it's turning out for them now. So I think you know we're gonna find out tomorrow night. But I think this is gonna work out for them as well. And maybe they learned a little bit from that Pico fight because they're giving Jake Hager a kid who's 0-1. So we'll see. I mean, I'm looking forward to it just because it's – I want him to redeem sort of like the WWE sort of idea because CM Punk was such an outlier. Like the guys who have actually come from there who have had amateur wrestling backgrounds have done well for themselves. Like people forget that Ken Shamrock was a WWE superstar. I think he fought, you know, in MMA before. But I mean, that's a true guy who bounced back and forth, who handled his business. Brock Lesnar the same way, Bobby Lashley the same way. So, I'm hoping Jake Hager is one of those two. And you got Bellator on Saturday and the Royal Rumble on Sunday. What are we, what are we talking about here? It's uh, it's a wrestling fan's uh, fantasy almost. Yeah, that's your cup of tea, Justin, not mine. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, so we're going. I think we both went Bader. We both went Pico. We're both going Hager. So, uh, I so uh, well, I think uh, I think this might be a good time to wrap it. This was a, a hell of a lot of fun, my man. This was so much fun, and I'm already looking forward to the next one. It was, man. I I'm pumped. We finally got to do this. Uh, I I think I got some cleaning up to do, but I think in the next couple of podcasts, first you know, show, man, just knock out the kinks, dude. Just get the. It's like when you um. It's like when you find a shirt that's wrinkly, and instead of ironing it, you just put it in the dryer. I just get the <laughs> this. This is just a quick fix right now. Uh, we're both going to get better. This has been a lot of fun, and you can look forward to a lot more of this. We're going to break down fights every time there's one. Uh, we already got some topics that we didn't touch in this episode that was in the outline that we're going to talk about on the next one. Most importantly, the biggest fights that we want to see. Uh, in this coming calendar year. So I'm very excited to, to dive into that. Travis, any closing thoughts before we get the hell out of here? Nope. Just excited to see him tomorrow. And uh, we'll kind of maybe next one, maybe do a little bit of recap on it. Yeah. Break it down and then talk about some more fights. And then we got the UFC coming up. So uh, this is going to be a new home. This is going to be the fans home for MMA. If you don't want to feel stupid, you can ask us any questions on Twitter at the Let, uh, Let Them Fight Pod. You can find uh, Travis on Twitter at TM Greither. Uh, you can find myself uh, underscore the real J-Day. We're be on Anchor Podcast, Apple Podcast, and this has been the Let Them Fight Podcast. We are out.